right. So I don't know if you know this or not, but Thanksgiving's this Thursday. Um, hopefully you're making plans or aware of it by now. Um, we have Thanksgiving Thursday. We're going to lead hard into that this morning. The next Sunday, uh, we kick off Advent season, uh, which is great. And Advent will take us all the way into Christmas. So we are like fully in the swing of holiday season at this point, uh, which is just really exciting for many. Um, I have to confess something. It's that in my life, uh, throughout my life, mostly in the past, uh, I used to struggle a bit with holidays, uh, just like the very nature of them <laughs> on some levels. Uh, for On some part of it is that just I'm not a very sentimental person in general, um, especially around the holidays um, to the bereavement of my mother and family <laughs> oftentimes. Uh, I'm just not a very sentimental person. Uh, so I'm, I'm that person that, that usually forgets about the holidays until like right up at the very last second. Um, it'll be the day before and everybody else is trying to like nail down plans and I still haven't even like acknowledged that a holiday is coming up. Here I'm the guy that it's like three days before Christmas and it's finally hit me that Christmas is coming and I should probably do some things to prepare for that. Um, is anybody else like feel like a, a little bit of like a holiday scrooge sometimes or is it just me? Okay, there we go. Thank you for your honesty. Um, yeah, because sometimes I feel like I'm alone in that, but like it, things just really sneak up on me. And I, I just think that that's how I'm wired. Though I try and be a little more sensitive about the holidays because there was one year uh, at my previous church where uh, somebody found out that we hadn't actually decorated for Christmas in our house. And we got a knock on the door one night, and it was the granny brigade, and they showed up with, like, all the lights and all the trees, and they, like, decked the halls of our house um, and told me in very clear terms that I was not to go with an undecorated Christmas <laughs> house in the future. And I just realized, like, you, you, you have to keep the grannies happy no matter what you do, right? Uh, you don't want sad grannies. So, like, I try and be a little more sensitive about the holidays, uh, from a sentimental standpoint. So some of it was just that, like how I'm wired. Some of it was that uh, I became a pastor, like kind of right out of college. Didn't really expect that, but that's kind of where God brought me. And as I was thinking about life in the church and my role as a pastor and planning and all that stuff, I didn't really know how holidays like Thanksgiving like fit into church life, right? Like, I, I didn't really know where they fit. Now, some of them made a lot of sense, right? In church, we come together and we, we learn spiritual practices and spiritual formation and all these, like, deep, deep wisdom and deep, li deep life transformation, right? And then we have these spiritual religious holidays that are a part of our, our tradition. So we have Christmas and Easter, and these things, like, they made sense to me, right? They had, like, this depth to them. So you had, like, all those spiritual things, and then you have Holidays like Thanksgiving, right, which are kind of these national traditions or these family or these cultural traditions that came about, right? And it, it felt different to me, like trying to think about those holidays. And, you know, especially as you think about something like Thanksgiving, um, there's a lot of complications around it, right? Like the origins are complicated uh, with how the native people were often mistreated, over time, um, so that doesn't feel in, in great alignment with our faith. Um, sometimes you, it's difficult because we're recognizing that not everybody has a great experience with the holidays, with something like Thanksgiving, uh, as with the, the reading that we all read together, right? Um, 
in advance, they were all supposed to be all dressed, have their shoes on, have their sandals on, have their coat on, have their walking sticks, have their stuff packed, be all ready to go, just knowing that, hey, by the end of the day, God's going to do God's thing, and we're going to be out of here, and we're going to be free. And then they, they prepared a special meal for that. They, they had all these uh, parts of this kind of ceremonial preparation that they did. And then that night, God did God's thing, and they were set free, free from years and years of slavery. It was like the greatest thing in the history of the people was this moment where God set them free from their slavery and they went on and when God did this God ended up saying to them hey now that we've done this thing I want you to do this same thing every single year on this same night to remember it and as you do I want you to have this meal I want you to have this tradition I want you to have this celebration and you're going to do the same thing you did that night when you eat your food you're going to eat your food with your shoes on you're going to eat your food with your coat on you're going to eat your food with your walking stick in your hand you're going to like reenact this great moment of celebration for you and you're going to do this every single year this is the thing I want you to do so that's what's going on as we dive into this passage here in Exodus chapter 12, first of all, starting with verses 24 through, 40, or through 27. God says this, Obey these instructions as a permanent law for you and your descendants. All right, so first of all, as God's setting up a permanent law, a permanent decree, uh, it's kind of like when the president steps forward and says, Hey, from now on, this day is going to be known as Labor Day or Memorial Day or whatever it is, right? Like God is coming and instituting a national tradition, a national holiday for the people. Uh, Verse 25, when you enter the land, the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And then we're going on in chapter 13. It goes on. And then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day that you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast. And on the seventh day, hold this festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any of the yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. And on that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord has brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time, year after year. Okay, so here we have this thing that God had done this really important thing for the people of Israel. God had passed over their families. God had delivered them uh, from their slavery in the Egyptians. God had brought them out of all that and sent them into the promised land. So God did this meaningful, important thing. And then God follows up with instructions for this ongoing and physical, concrete practice to carry on this memory. It's a holiday. It's a tradition in this case. It's a feast that's behind it as well. But it's this very physical, ongoing practice and tradition to remember the thing that God had done. 
And that doesn't just happen here. Again, this happens all throughout the Bible. There's another example I want us to look at uh, that is a little bit after that. So after they've come out of slavery, they wandered around in the wilderness for a little bit, and then they start to move into kind of their final landing place, which is known as the promised land. And as as they are starting to enter this land where God is going to, to allow them to finally settle down and finally have some peace with their families and finally have the goodness that they're looking for, the last part of this journey is that they have to cross the Jordan river together. And as they're crossing the Jordan river together, the way that they get across is God intervenes and God cuts off the flow of the river so that they are able to cross together across dry ground. And as God does this, uh, this is what God tells the people. Joshua 4, 1 through 7 says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan river, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan River was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones will be a are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. All right, so here we have the same thing. God intervened. God did this really great thing in the lives of the people. And as God intervened in the lives of the people, he said he gave them instructions for an ongoing and physical concrete practice to carry on this memory. In this case, they were supposed to pick up stones, not like little pebbles right here. Uh, There's another part of the passage where it's like, no, and they pick them up and carry them on their shoulders. So they're picking up these giant stones and they're carrying them and they're setting them down in a pile beside the river. It's this physical, concrete thing that's going on to remember the goodness of God. So here, it's not a holiday. It's not a feast. It's, it's, a, it's an altar. It's a landmark, right? So there's this physical thing that whenever from that point on, whenever people are walking around, they're going to see this pile of stones and they'll be like, that's not a natural rock formation, right? Like, why, why are these stones here like this? And when they re- see the stones that are there awkwardly out of place, they'll remember like, oh, those stones are there like that because of that one time that God did that one thing. And now every time they pass that place, they have a physical, concrete way to remember the goodness of God. Here, it's an altar or landmark. And again, it's not just Passover, it's not just here. There's example after example of passages throughout the Old Testament that tell stories like this. God put permanent markers to make sure we don't forget past and present goodness in the future. Sometimes it was feasts and holidays, such as Passover and so many others throughout time where they were supposed to eat together and remember the goodness of God. Sometimes it was altars or landmarks where every time you pass this thing, you're like, uh, this is here because God did this thing this one time and we remember it. Sometimes it was names that they would name places, that they would name people things to remember the goodness of what God did, right? Uh, one of the main uh, characters in the story of the Bible, his name was Isaac. And Isaac was named Isaac because Isaac means laughter, Because Isaac was born by God's promise to his parents. His mom was old. She was barren. The idea that she could have children was laughable. And yet God said, I'm going to bring a child into your life. And you're going to name him Isaac, which means laughter. So every time she called her son or anybody else called the son, they were able to remember the story of God's uh, ridiculous faithfulness to do things that are more than anybody could have imagined. Right? 
And when Jesus came to the world, we were said that Jesus was to be named Jesus, which means the one who saves. So even as people around Jesus were using his name in day-to-day life, there would have been this processing of the story of God in the lives of the people. Time and time again, holidays, feasts, landmarks, names, over and over there's this pattern of making permanent markers so we make sure not to forget the past and present goodness when we move into the future. This theme is so repetitive throughout scripture. It's actually funny because it often feels like the author just copies and pastes the stories, right? Like uh, each kind of landmark ends up being the same kind of instructions of what God wants them to do with it. And and so I want to focus in on two of these kind of uh, almost copy and pasted uh, principles that come out of these that show up in nearly every story of remembrance. The first is this from the Passover passage. Uh, We read it earlier. It said this, This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Uh, This this passage shows up over and over again, this idea that you'll do this thing and it will be a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead. Now, I was trying to process what this meant, and and when I first read it just in 2021 in English, I was like, oh, like, my kid writes stuff on her hands all the time. Like, I get that. You know, sometimes you, like, have reminders and you want to, like, remember things that you're doing. And so, yeah, it's good to practice this feast, to practice this holiday so that you're making sure that you mark, mark these things and remember these things. But it actually goes beyond that. And the strange thing to me was the marking on the forehead because I was like, that's a little weird. Like, <laughs> what's, what's that about? Uh, so we'll, I looked into it a little bit, and there's actually other passages that instead of saying uh, just a mark on, on your forehead or a reminder on your forehead, it talks about it being between their eyes. Right? And as I started looking into this and exploring some of the commentaries and what some of the people have said about the culture of the time, the idea here is this, is that if something is between your eyes, you have to see it in your frame as you look at anything that you look at in life. Right? And if something is on your hands, anything that you set your hands to, you have that physical reminder in front of you. And so what it is saying in this passage is God is saying, hey guys, I want you to do these things in life. I want you to have these feasts and these holidays. I want you to make these landmarks and altars. I want you to name these people these things. I want you to do them so, so as though it's a mark on your hand or something in your field of vision that as you look at every single thing that you face in life and every single thing that you face in the, in the future, that you remember the goodness of this moment. That when you're looking at the challenges that you face in the future, in your field of vision is still the reminders of my goodness in the past. And as you set your hands to the challenges that lay before you, the difficult things that you do day in and day out, I want you to remember that as you're doing those things, that I was walking with you and providing goodness in the things that you faced in the past. That every single thing you do in the future, may you have these uh, tinted sunglasses that are tinted by the goodness of what I've already done for you. God wants us to mark the things that we experience of God's goodness in our lives with these physical things so that the past continues to influence and to change the future. 
Because things are different. Challenges are different when we can recognize that the challenges are not hopeless, that we're not facing the challenges alone, that this is not something that is beyond the grasp of God, that is not beyond the view of God, that when we have faced things like this in the past, God has been with us in the past, and God will be with us in the future. And because of that faithful presence of the past, we can continue to move forward. On our hands for everything we engage, in front of our eyes for everything we see. May the past continue to influence how we experience the present. The second part that shows up in these passages over and over showed up in both the Passover and the Jordan River passages and in so many similar other passages. And it says things like this. Do these things, and when your children ask you, why do we do this? Why is there a pile of stones there? Why are we dressing up in our, in our coats and our walking sticks before we eat dinner? Why are we doing this weird thing? Right? When your children ask you, why are we doing this? Or why is this here? Or why is so-and-so named that? Then it says, then you will tell them this. Then you will tell them. Because back in the day, God did this one thing, this one time. And it was so great. And we never want to forget about that. Right? There is this thing about passing this on because God is recognizing that we are a forgetful people. Right? It's so easy to forget and just focus on the challenges and the negatives and the, the, the difficult stuff before us. So easy to, re- to forget the goodness. And if the goodness doesn't slip our brains, it most certainly will die with us <laughs> unless we choose to pass it along. Right? I so often, as a pastor, in conversation with the people over coffee, I hear, I want, I need to believe in God. I, I think I believe in God, but I just need some, I need God showing up for me. Right? I just need to see God's action in my life. And that makes sense, and I feel that, and I resonate with that myself. But so many times it becomes a like, God, what have you done for me lately? Right? Or we need God to keep showing up and showing up and showing up over again because we forget to remember or acknowledge or give God credit for the things that God has continued to be doing throughout the past and throughout history. In my life, I have many moments of despair and doubt. Um, Many moments where I'm like, this just does not make any sense to me anymore. Many moments where I have considered like, hey, how can I just walk away from faith, God, all of this, because I just don't even know what to do with it anymore. Like, just being real with you. And in those moments where I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away this time. Like, I can't, because I have had a couple of moments in my life where I have experienced the intervention of God in ways that I can't really describe, and that I don't really know what to do with, other than the fact that, like, I can't walk away because of it. Right? And Regarding my children, like, I hope that someday that they will have those experiences as well. And maybe they will and maybe they won't. But if and when or until they have those experiences themselves, like, I hope that I can continue to share the stories of those moments with them where God showed up in ways for me and for their mom and ways that I, I just don't know what to do with except to say that that was God's intervention in those moments. And and maybe in those moments of doubt until they have, if and when they have moments of those on their own, maybe those stories of of God's work in our life will be an encouragement to them along the way until they have their own stories to tell someday. 
it's so easy to forget. God just wants us to keep passing things along. So what do we do with Thanksgiving? Well, I think the pattern here is it takes some time to mark the goodness of God in our lives with some physical concrete practice. Take the goodness, mark it with a physical concrete practice, right? Now, the difference between Passover and and Thanksgiving is that Passover, like everybody experienced that together and everybody had the same shared experience, right? So it was everybody who like, yeah, we all experienced the, the blessing of God in this way in this time, and so let's remember this thing together. But here, our experiences aren't always the same, especially again around bounty and family and, and all the things that have come, become a part of the American Thanksgiving tradition. Our experiences aren't always the same. At South Bend City Church, one of the things we say is fields, not factories, right? Like everybody's different in our lives and our experiences and our experience of God and our experience of God's goodness. It, it's different for all of us. And so what does it mean to mark that and remember that? It may not be a one-size-fits-all approach in the ways that we've kind of commonly shared Thanksgiving together may not work for everyone because not everyone's the same, but I believe that everyone has experienced some goodness of God and we can mark that goodness. Actually, one of the things that's interesting uh, throughout the Old Testament scriptures, one of the things they mark, one of the feasts is uh, Jason actually preached on a couple weeks ago when when he talked about finances, right? This idea of the tithe was saying like, hey, if your crops actually grow this season, (laughs) If you actually get just the food you need to survive this year, like if your survival is sustained, just have a meal to celebrate that, right? Like they're not saying that they've had like the most bountiful crop ever or that their storehouses are completely full or that they they are now wealthy or anything. It's like, no, like if you have food today, celebrate that. Take some time and celebrate that. So whatever our level of scarcity or bounty Whatever our experience is, we can see and find the goodness of God in the midst of that. Where is it at for you? It's not the same for everyone. So maybe it has been a year of bounty and provision for you, and you are overflowing with bounty and and wealth and food, and you're overflowing with like family and relationships that are good, and you celebrate that. And so maybe sitting around a Thanksgiving table with all of your family that is is healthy and well and there, and all the food that you you can uh, accumulate and cook together, and all the the dear sweet mashed potatoes, like maybe that is a great way to acknowledge and celebrate the goodness of God in your life. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. Maybe the goodness in your life is just the few friends that have stuck with you through a really difficult time that you didn't know how you were going to make it and thank God that those friends were there with you. Right? So what does it look like to take a moment to, to have a concrete practice of thankfulness and gratitude around those friends? Maybe you, you take a time and you have a friend getaway together. And you just recognize the goodness of those relationships that sustain you. Maybe you tattoo their faces on their arm, or no, um, probably not that. What does it look like for you to have this concrete reminder of God's goodness? Maybe it's just that you have a warm, safe place to stay, and there is goodness in that, because maybe that hasn't always been the case. 
And so maybe your practice of physical, concrete practice of Thanksgiving is saying, I'm going to stay in in the heat for an entire day and just snuggle up with a blanket and just watch some Netflix or read a book or whatever it is. And I am just going to take a day to celebrate and remember the goodness of warmth right now. What is it for you? What does Thanksgiving look like for you? So whatever it is, may we find a way to find the goodness of God in our lives, to mark it, to celebrate it, to remember it, so that we take the goodness of God and we can wear it like a mark on our hands, like a sign between our eyes, so that in whatever we set our hands to, whatever challenges lay ahead of us that we set our hands to, whatever difficulties we see ahead of us with our eyes, that we would see those things through the lens of God's past and present goodness that's already there with us. And may we be sustained and encouraged in that. What do these physical practices look like for you? If you can stand with me. As we go today, I just want you to know that we have a, you have a God who loves you, who sees you in the midst of your bounty, who sees you and walks with you in the midst of your pain and scarcity, that you have a God who makes sure that you are never alone, that you are never unseen, that you are never unheard, a God who has been walking with you through all the challenges you face, that walks with you now in the present and will continue to walk with you in the future into more grace and peace. Grace and peace be with you, friends. Have a great week.